I want to draw your attention today to, we're going to, I'm going to read um, four passages of scripture from uh, four different uh, places in the Bible. Um, and I, I want to, uh, we're going to use that to sort of build on our next step of uh, our No Limit series. Again, we've been talking about the last uh, three weeks, and this is our fourth week. We have been talking about uh, no limits. And when we say no limits, what do we mean by that? We're not talking about saying God has no limits. We know God has no limits. He's unlimited. What we're talking about is the limits that we place on God through our own selves. So we've been talking about that. Well, first week, we talked about uh, no limits that we place on following him. We use the aspect in the scripture where the three men called out to Jesus that they wanted to follow him and he challenged them in three areas, in, in their comfort and in their family and their past and in their in, in their, their family. They, he challenged each one of them. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about no limits. What do you do when God says no? Because a lot of us, we're, we, we, we're okay with God as long as God says yes, but when God says no, that's a limit to us. We don't like that. And then last week, Bishop Wright was here, and uh, Bishop Wright uh, talked about uh, no limits, and he talked about uh, when God speaks to us in love but challenges us uh, in our area. Where, what area are we right now? What's, what's our area that God is challenging us in, and each one of us is different. So he kind of talked about that last week. So uh, today we're going to continue that a little further, and I don't know if we'll do it next week. Again, I said this earlier when the Lord gave me this. I'm not really a series-type guy. I'm not for or against them. I just don't really uh, – usually the Lord doesn't give me consecutive thoughts that kind of build on one another. And um, I uh, I didn't start off doing this. He gave this to me several weeks ago and uh so we're continuing that vein and uh i don't know we might do it next week we never know just taking it week by week so let's go to those four scriptures we're going to use uh galatians chapter two and i'm going to read through these and it's quite a little bit so if you have it have an ability to follow along i would encourage you to do that if you've got a device or um a bible handy nearby um I'm going to ask you if you can to grab that and join with me and let's read together. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, this is Paul talking, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's pull Numbers chapter 13, we're going to begin reading with verse number 23. Numbers 13, verse 23. And this is the story of the Israelites as they came out of Egypt and now they are in, they've crossed over the Red Sea and they send spies into the promised land to scout out the promised land and determined uh, about going forward into the land that God had taken them out of Egypt promising them to go to, hence the promised land. And we pick up the story in Numbers 13, verse number 23. And they returned, the spies, from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel into the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back unto them 
and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once, possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Two more. Luke chapter 5, verse number 4 says, Now when they had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a, for a draught. And Simon answering him, saying, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I, let down, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And finally, Mark 14, verse 35 says, And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass them. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but thy will, but what thou wilt. And he came and findeth them, findeth them sleeping and said unto Peter and Simon, Sleepest thou? Couldst now not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went and prayed and spake the same words. Now, if you were astute and you were following along, following along you will notice that in all four of those uh, verses that we just read, you will find there was a word that we was repeated in all four instances. I'll give you a minute. Cue the Jeopardy music. You know what that word was? Uh, I'll take words out of the Bible for 200, Alex. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. So we're going to talk today about no limits. Nevertheless. There is... Um, some words within the context of our English language that can provide multiple definitions based off the context in which they were do which in which they are spoken. And so we're going to talk about that nevertheless word because you're going to see in each one of these stories that nevertheless is a pivotal word in addressing limitations that we can have in our own life. Let's look at, just for a moment, just from pure definition. The Old Testament, the Hebrew word translated, nevertheless, is a ceasing, an end, or a finality. In the Greek, which is out of the New Testament, the word nevertheless uh, means, um, as uh, Thayer's Greek says, it usually comes after a negative sentence, and ser serves to mark a transition into something new. So nevertheless, uh, can speak to an end or finality. It can speak to a transition. Uh, in Mark's writing, the word nevertheless is used as an opposition to concession, 
means simply this. Although the speaker does not want to yield or concede to circumstances, they have submitted their own will through the power of nevertheless. And then from a pure English standpoint, the word nevertheless in English means in spite of all that. So we understand that in this context that the word nevertheless is a pivotal change. It's a turning point in each one of these situations. And I feel like when we look at it within the context of no limits, we find that this word really speaks to uh, some parts of our lives that we can limit God. And we're going to end up today with the ultimate nevertheless. And that's what that those that was the nevertheless spoken uh, by Jesus in the garden. But let's tackle these one by one if we can, because the first one we come to we found in Numbers 13, and for sake of time, I'm not going to be able to go into the entirety of the story, but Numbers 13, the, uh, the story in the context of that, nevertheless, was that the Israelites had sent the spies across the Jordan into the promised land to scout out what was there and to assess the enemy. They come back, as we read, and they said, look, this place is absolutely amazing. I mean, they brought back fruit, they brought back spoils, they brought back things like, this place is amazing. But, but, there's a nevertheless in there. But, there's giants, and we are but grasshoppers in their sight. So the first time we see the word nevertheless, it's, a, it's addressing a faith issue. And the word nevertheless can take a positive and turn it into a negative. God, you are able. Nevertheless, I'm not sure you can do it in this situation. God, I know you can do it for everybody else. Nevertheless, I'm not sure you can do it for me. You see, nevertheless can mark a, a transition it can tra transition, and it's very easy for us to reach the limit of our faith, to reach the limit of our capacity, and go, God, I, can, I, I get all that, but nevertheless, I can't go beyond where I'm at. Now, <laughs> I very, 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 find, very find, find it very hard to believe. Too many varies in there. I find it very, very hard to believe. That God is okay leaving us where we're at. Now, let's get this established for a second. He loves us where we're at, but he loves us too much to leave us where we're at. You see, you find in, in, in walking with God that there's very, 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 very seldom occasions. I can't say it doesn't happen, but if it does, it is small and short. There is very... Very small occasions where God will let you stay where you are. And usually, if you're standing where you are, it's not because you're standing in passivity, but it's you're standing in opposition. Meaning, if I'm standing still, but the wind is blowing contrary or against me, I have to lean into the wind. And even though I am standing still, I'm not standing in a passive nature. I'm standing in an active nature. And by the nature of resisting the wind and standing where I am, I'm actually moving forward. 
So before you say, well, God's okay with me where I'm at, I want to challenge you with this because go where, go into that book that you say you read called the Bible and tell me where God was ever okay with keeping people where they were. Now, there's times where we can't see the progress. There may be times where we don't feel the progress, but there are times where just simply standing in opposition to the wind of a life that's blowing against me is a progress forward. Standing or standing, the Bible says, stand and see. Stand. When you've done all you can, stand. That's not talking about a passive standing. That's not talking about standing and disengaging. That standing is actually an active thing. I'm standing on his word. I'm standing on his promises. So God loves you where you're at, but if he truly loves you, he loves you too much to leave you where you're at. So therefore, with God, God is always going to be at work in your life to be challenging you to go further. That's why living for God is an amazing thing, and walking with Jesus Christ is amazing, because you can never get to the point where God says, that's it, you've reached the top level, congratulations, you have now reached the supreme level of my ability, and therefore, from now until you get to heaven, you are on uh, coast mode. That's why I believe the Bible says that in the end, he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, meaning you are well done. You've been cooked fully. <laughs> you're well done. You're not medium rare. You're not medium. You're not medium well. You're well done, meaning you have gone through the process. And until you breathe your last breath and you're on this earth, God is always going to be at work in your life to make to, to, to challenge you to go further. So for some of you that say, well, God, I don't know what you want. I don't know what else. Maybe you need to take a step back and go, am I trying to find a level of existence? Or what am I truly looking for? Is God my pathway to comfort? Is God my pathway to existing, having a life, you know, the typical American dream, work a job, come home, spend time with the family, have a weekend, go on vacation, have fun, and God is sort of my companion to that. Or is it, okay, God, where are you taking me and what are you trying to do in my life? But you'll find that on your journey, you're going to reach your limits quickly. And when you reach those limits that you have, whether it's the limits of your emotion, the limits of your faith, the limits of your, uh, of your own strength, there's going to become... A, there's going to become a point where you're going to have to deal with the nevertheless of your life. And that nevertheless is going to mark a transition. And we find within these stories that we just read that that nevertheless marks a transition. Nevertheless marks a point of ending. The Bible says, Hebrews says, nevertheless is a finality. It's the end point. The end of what to begin what? You see, there's going to be a point where all of us, every single point of us, God will actually do it. He will take you to your limits. We're talking about not limiting God or living with no limits. And I got to be frank with you. God's going to find every place 
in you that has limits. And he's going to take you to the brink of that limit. He's going to take you to the point where you're going to feel like you're losing your mind. He's going to take you to the point where your faith is going to feel like it's going to break. He's going to take you to the point where your emotions can't handle anymore. He's going to take you to the point where you say, okay, God, this is it. And you're going to have to go, nevertheless. But here's the point. Nevertheless marks a finality. But what comes after the nevertheless determines the fruit or the forwardness of where you're at. Because we see here, it's amazing. It's awesome. It's, it's a land filling of milk and honey. It's a crazy, it's an amazing place. This is awesome. But nevertheless, it's too hard for us to go there. Nevertheless, we've reached the edge of the water. We've reached the Jordan River. We, we, we don't have the equipment. We don't have the, the knowledge. We don't have the understanding. We don't have the military might to go across there. Nevertheless, as Caleb says, We can do this, guys. We can do it because God promised. But the other said, nevertheless, we can't do it. We find that nevertheless, that a nevertheless can take a positive and turn it to a negative. You know, the amazing thing about God is I wish, I really, honestly, I say this, and I'm not trying to sound um, dramatic here. I sometimes wish he would make it to the point where he would sort of just zap me with the lightning bolt of faith or trust or whatever it is. God, I I know you're working on my faith. So Lord, give me more faith. And he just, I mean, boom, hits me. And I'm like, I got faith. I think that would be a lot easier. But we find that with God, and we'll use faith because that's an easy one, and we're talking about faith here within the context of the story, that we quickly run out the limit, run out of the limitations of our faith. It's pretty easy for us to bump up against, for most of us to bump up, bump up against the limitations of our own faith. Now, Before you go too further, the Bible says all you have to have is the faith the size of a mustard seed to say to the mountain, be thou removed. So let's get out of that. It's not about the volume of faith. It's not about how much faith you have, but faith is only true faith if it's activated. Now follow me for a second. We're going a little rabbit trail. We're going to come back to nevertheless in a moment. So it's very easy for us to reach the limitations of our faith. So when we ask God, God, I need more faith. He's not necessarily giving us more of the amount of faith. What does he do? He puts us in situations that require more activation of the faith we already have. So when we we reach the point of our limitations and our faith, really what we're doing is we're reaching the point of our limitations based on our current level of activation. Woo, someone needs to hear me on this. 
When you reach the limit of your faith and you say, I don't know if I can go beyond that, are you reaching the limit of the amount of faith you have? No. You are reaching the level at which your faith is currently activated. And the only way for you to go beyond where you're at is it requires a greater level of activation of faith in your life. So what does God do? God in his love and kindness allows situations to come in your life that require greater activation of faith. For example, the Bible talks about this lady. She was a Syrophoenician woman. She comes to Jesus and says, you know, I got this problem. And he says, go away. And he called her a dog. He called her a dog. And her response back to him was, but even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. And he turned to her and looked at the crowd in the context of this woman. And he said, I have not found greater faith in all of Israel. I haven't found greater faith in anywhere, anywhere. This woman has the greatest faith I've seen so far. Was it because of the amount of faith she had? I don't believe it was because she had more faith than anybody else. She had a greater level of activation of faith that she had. You know what? I, we live in an area, uh, we live in, 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 in our area, there's some, I guess, there's some highways that you could probably get away with driving around 80, 85 miles an hour, depending on the time of day and depending on the traffic. You might be able to get away driving 80, 85 miles an hour uh, on these highways, uh, but you're taking a huge risk. Because in our area, uh, these highways that would allow you to drive at that speed are patrolled by uh, police. And so therefore, if you drive 80, 85, you're taking a big risk. Most of the driving that we do in the area that we live in, now I don't know where you are in the area you live in, your part of your country, but for those that live in this area, in the D.C. metro area, most of the driving we do is usually, now it's been a little different since COVID, although it's now starting to come back, we drive a lot in traffic. We drive a lot of city driving. We drive a lot of stop and go. Um, A lot of our driving is limited speed um, based off the circumstances. So I'm not saying I'd be against it if someone gave me one. But it's crazy to me, other than just a status symbol, why you would want to buy a car, buy an ultra-fast sports car, and there's so many out there, I don't even, I, I wouldn't want to choose which one. There's so many, but tr- uh, buy one of these supercars. And I'm not talking about a normal sports car you can buy, but I'm talking about one of those supercars, $150,000, $250,000 cars, you know, that can go to zero to 60 in a sneeze. I mean, they're just crazy fast. If you bought that car and you drove it around this area, where are you going to be able to really explore the, 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 the true power of that car? You're never going to be able to. I mean, there's cars, there's cars you can buy that can do 150, 160, 170 miles an hour that you can buy. You and I can buy. They don't have to require any kind of special license or any kind of special uh, mechanic. You could, if you had the money, you could go buy it right now. They can do 150, 160, 170 miles an hour. Where are you going to do that here? So my minivan 
that we just got rid of. We had a minivan for nine years. A minivan. That minivan was just as productive driving in this area as the $250,000 sports car was that can do 0 to 60 in a sneeze and can do 170 miles an hour. The minivan and the sports car were at the same level. If driving around, they all hear, my minivan could do 80 miles an hour. Now, I'm not saying a minivan has the same performance level as a as a as a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or a McLaren or some other uh, a Bugatti, some of these supercars that can do crazy speeds. But in the context of the situation here of this area that we live in with traffic and roads and city driving, the minivan and the supercar perform the same way. So the only way to change the performance of the car is not to change the car, but to change the circumstances by which the car is driving in. Because you go out, and my wife and I several years ago have had had some opportunities to travel out in the western part of uh, uh, the United States in the... Um, Utah, Nevada, Arizona area, out there in the desert. And I will never forget, and don't tell anybody I said this, even though it's online. Uh, this was several years ago, so I think the statutes of limitation have passed. But we rented a, a Mustang from, I think it was like Enterprise or Thrifty, one of the rental car companies. So we rented it from we, we, we went, we landed in, in, in Los Angeles and we were going to drive uh, through the Mojave Desert near Death Valley as we were kind of going through looking at scenery. And so we rented a Mustang. And man, there are some stretches of the interstate out there that honestly, it is dead flat and there is not a soul to be seen. There's no trees. No shrubs, no bushes. It's just sand for as far as you can see. And you can see the road tens of miles in front of you. And you can see the road tens of miles behind you. And there are stretches of that road, but there's no cars on that road. And so, and that place, at that place, I don't recommend this, but I got to finally say, okay, let's see how fast we can get this car to go. I know I'm not helping some of you right now. And so... I think at one point we've got that we've got the, the Mustang somewhere upwards 110, 100, 110, maybe a little faster than that. I'll let I won't share with you specific numbers. It was above 110 for a brief moment. We didn't exactly say that. Because there was no limitations. That same car driving around in New York City, I may not ever get above 10 miles an hour. So I don't need more car. I need different situations so that the car can maximize its ability to go faster. You don't need more faith, so God is going to change your situation to allow the engine of your faith to perform at a higher level. So you're saying, my faith is limited, God. Give me more faith. And God says, no, no. Your faith is not limited because you need more. Your faith is limited because you've been driving around in New York City, going from light to light, going five miles an hour because of traffic. I'm about to take you out of that. I'm about to put you in the desert where there is no cars and it's just open road. And now you can let your faith be activated. 
So that's why God is always working different things in our life, different circumstances. And that's why, can I be frank with you, you're never going to get to the point in your life where there is nothing going on. That's the greatest fallacy that we can handle. That's the greatest fallacy that we can sort of fall into the trap. Is that somehow, some way, I'm going to get to the point where I can say, thank God there's nothing happening in my life. I can take a break. The only time that's going to happen is when they pronounce you dead. Until then, there's always going to be something in your life that's going to require faith to be activated. There's always going to be a problem. There's always going to be a circumstance. If you've got a health problem right now that you're like, oh my, I just, I just need to, God, would you take away this health problem and I'll be okay. God's going to take away the health problem. Guess what's going to happen? Then the job problem's going to come. God's going to take a job problem. It's going to be a family problem. It's going to be a family problem. It's going to be an emotional problem. Emotional problem is going to be a, 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 a problem with your past or hurt or pain in your past. You get rid of that and it's going to be a financial thing. So when it looks at all these situations, the trap that we fall into and sort of Christendom as its current status is trying to get people to the point where you have nothing. Live your best life now. Can I tell you the path to your best life now is not through a utopic existence where nothing in your life is happening to the contrary. Your best life now is through activation of faith beyond your current limits. I'm telling you right now, we're not going to get to the rest of this. We're going to come back next week. Jesus is speaking. I can't get off this point. The Israelites didn't need more faith. They had crossed over the Red Sea. They had watched as Pharaoh's armies had swallowed, been swallowed by water. They watched the most powerful army in the world that they had been enslaved to by 400 years. It took faith to believe. It took activation of faith to believe that God could deliver them out of Egypt. They walked out of Egypt in faith. They get to the Red Sea. They're stopped by the Red Sea. They can't go further. And they hear the the rumbling and the, the pounding of chariots wheels on the ground beginning to create a rumble and a stir and a dust cloud because Pharaoh's coming. Now they're faced with another level of activation of faith. They didn't need more faith, but now they're going to have to require a greater level of activation of faith. They had reached their current faith limit. So to go from one side of the Red Sea to the other side of the Red Sea was not going to require more, but it was going to require a le- greater level of activation. Here we go. They finally believed with great ex- they finally got through all their doubt, complaining. God showed up. They walked across on dry land. They turned around, waters crash, Pharaoh's dead. And then they're walking across. You would think, you would think if you had just seen, if you and I would have just seen that kind of miracle, you would have thought by that point there's nothing too hard for God. Nothing. But then we see there's so many miracles that take place over the next little while. And then finally we come to the spies and the promised land. 
And we see once again where their faith reaches a limit. You see, how do I know if my faith has reached a limit? My faith has reached a limit when I go beyond my ability to comprehend or to understand with my mind. That's when I know my faith has reached a limit. You see, we'll get to Jesus in the garden maybe next week. Because look at the next story we read. Peter was out fishing. Now, Peter was a trained fisherman, an experienced fisherman, a successful fisherman. He's out there toiling all night long. He's toiling all night long, working hard, catching nothing. And then this dude shows up on the shore and says, hey, cast your net on the other side. What? Hey, do you guys know who this dude is? What guy? Well, that, that guy over there on the shore, have you seen him lately? I know he's not a fisherman. I've never seen him out on a boat. What does he have to, what in the world does he have to uh, do with us fishing? And how does he know? And he says, are you kidding me? Look what he said. Look at Peter's response. Talking about the limit, talking about when your faith reaches its limit. Watch what Peter said. And Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. We've done everything, but we've taken nothing. Are you kidding me? Don't you think if fish were on this side of the boat, we would have thrown our net over there? We, it's not exactly like we're not, we're not, we're not, we're, 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 we're smart fishermen. We know how to do it. But then he said, nevertheless, there's that transitional word, that word of transition. Nevertheless, at thy word, at thy word, I will let the net down. And when they did this, the Bible says fish came in. And notice, it was after that that Jesus said, come follow me. Jesus already laid the establishment to Peter that if you're going to go with me, you're going to reach your limitations really quickly. And the only way you're going to keep being able to go beyond your limitations, Peter, is if you activate your faith to a greater level in me. So you know what, Peter? Today it's going to be casting your nets on the other side. Next time it's going to be walking on water. Then it's going to be whether or not you're even able to, to say you know me in the, in the midst of, of great danger and peril where you deny me. Because finally there's coming to a point where you're going to stand between 3,000 people asking you what to do. That's going to require even more faith. You see, fishermen, great evangelist. Fishermen, proclaimer of the gospel. Fishermen, starter of the New Testament church in Acts chapter 2. The proclaimer of the gospel in Acts chapter 2. Carrier of the gospel to the Gentiles. Notice this. These things were higher on the rung of faith, but never do we see faith, Peter's faith increasing in its amount. So the idea is not to go around and go, well, you know, I really would, I really do believe God could do it if I just had more faith. God's going, you don't need more faith. You've got enough. You've got it. You only need a mustard seed to say to the mountain, be removed. Wait a minute. I got to be frank with you. I, last year for Christmas, my family and I went to Colorado. We got to 
We've got to, to visit again. It's been several years since we've done it. We've got to visit the Rocky Mountains. Can I be frank with you? If you think the mountains in Western Maryland that we call mountains are mountains, those are not mountains. If you want to see mountains, you've got to go to places like the Rockies. You've got to go see mountains that stretch above the tree line that are absolutely majestic. If I'm sitting here today and there is a uh, uh, an anthill here and I say, speak to this anthill and be removed, that doesn't require... That doesn't require as much activation of faith. But got to be frank with you. If I'm looking at one of those mountains and I say, okay, mountain, go in the sea. I got to be frank with you. I think that's beyond the limits of my current level of faith. But Jesus made it very clear. It wasn't the amount of faith that was necessary for the mountain to move. It was a greater level of activation of faith. That's why when he healed someone, he healed them by saying, take up your bed and and walk. Wait a minute. That required a level of activation of faith beyond their current limit. But in order for them to go beyond where they are, it required them to say, okay, I don't know how it's going to happen, but because you said it, nevertheless, I will take up this bed and walk, even though I'm not sure it's going to work. See, that's the power of nevertheless. Have you reached your limits? Have you reached your limitations on God? Has now you reached the point where you can't see a path forward? Can you see now where you can't see the point at point? You've done everything you know how to do. You fished all night long. And now God's saying, okay, you know, I want you to do it one more time. Wait a minute, God, I've already done all that. Yep, but I'm asking you to do it one more time. Because you know why? I'm asking you to increase the activation of your faith beyond where you're at. So when we say, God, increase our faith, or when we pray, God, increase our faith, God's not going to increase our faith through a feeling or a jolt of, I feel faith rising up in me. I feel, no, no. What he's going to do? He's going to take you out of New York City. He's going to put you on a different highway that's going to require different activation. Different activation. Same vehicle. But the context in which the vehicle is driven will determine the performance of the vehicle. Nothing's wrong with the vehicle. Can I tell you today? There's nothing wrong with your faith. Your faith is not broke. Yeah, you might be dealing with doubt. You might have to be dealing with fear. You might have to be dealing with a lot of things, but your faith is not broke. Can I tell you this? It's not that your faith needs to be fixed. But now God is requiring you to live at a higher level of activation. The level at which you were living is no longer going to be able to sustain you. For you to go where you're at and where do you live where you're at, it's going to require a level of activation beyond where you're at. Peter, it's going to require a level of activation for you to be able to believe me so you can follow me. So let your net down on the other side. Okay, Peter, there's coming a point where you're going to face some things. So let's try to up your activation. The, the level of faith that kept you in the boat in the boat is not going to be the same activation that's going to let you walk on water. Peter gets out of the boat, activates his water, he sinks. God says, okay, let's talk about this faith thing. Because here's why, Peter, there's coming today where you're going to be faced with another test. Where, where I'm going to be on a cross, they're going to be trying to question whether or not you even know me. And you're going to, be, have, to li- you're going to have to live with another activation of faith. 
okay, Peter, you failed that. You reached your limitations. So let's go beyond that. There's 3,000 people. They're going to ask you, what do we do? And you're going to have to stand there in faith and boldness and proclaim, repent, be baptized, and fill with the Holy Ghost. But there's another test coming beyond that because then I'm going to ask you to go to a Gentile's house and carry the gospel to a Gentile. Notice that every rung up the ladder of faith did not require more faith, but it required a greater activation of the faith he had. And through the greater activation of faith, it increased his faith. But it increased the amount of faith he had. It increased the activation. And by activating his faith, it actually grew his faith. That's why we often say that, I don't know how in the world we got on faith today. The Lord knew. But if I was, if we say faith is a muscle, and uh, um, if I hold on, I'd use this book. I was going to grab that. I'll use this book. I could lift this book all day. I could lift this book all day. And to be honest with you, it won't do any good for me because my muscles are beyond or past this level. Now, you give this book to a one-year-old, maybe, but for you and I as adults, this book is not going to require much. It's easy. So therefore, if it's easy, nothing's going to grow. My muscles aren't going to grow. There's not going to, I'm not going to get stronger because I can do this. So I got to up, up. That's actually a little, little heavier. If I did this for a while, I probably would wear my arms out a little bit. But it'll be a point in time where, you know what? This is not that hard. So you know what I do? Keep adding and adding and adding, adding more weight. And every addition of weight it's going to require a greater activation of the muscles in my arm in order to lift. And through that muscle being activated, it's going to cause that muscle to grow stronger. So for you, for some of you, can I be frank with you? You're upset with God right now because you're used to dealing with a book and God said, yeah, let's add this. But God, okay, God here. Okay. Okay, God, here, take this away from me. And let's go. Can I go back to the book life? God's like, no, no, we're, we're moving forward. But here's the powerful thing about God. If I, if I start activating my faith, the more activated, the easier it is to walk where I'm at. But we'll be it. Because then that means God's going to say, okay, now you got that. Let's go up. So to get through the situation you're in is not to remove the situation. It's to provide activation and strength in the situation. And when you get activation and strength in your situation, it actually gets lighter. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Meaning when I activate my faith and I walk as, as Paul said in Galatians chapter two, the, 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 Faith that I now live, I live through the Son of God. I live by, I live by the Son of God. I no longer, I reach the limits of my faith. And the faith that I now live is through the Son of God. Now I've activated my faith to a greater degree. And now my life has got peace. Then guess what's going to happen? God's going to keep adding on 
Adding on. Adding on to you. One more situation. Okay, God. This is so hard, God. God, this is so hard. Take it away, God. Take it away. I want to go back to those days when I could just, you know, I could manage. I needed you, but I really didn't need you because I had it. I had it all on my own, God. I got tired every once in a while, but it wasn't that bad. I could handle my own. And, you know, God, okay, I could. That was tough for a while, but I got through it, all right. So, But, God, you know, come on. This is so hard. Take it away. God says, no, I'm not taking it away. I need you to keep activating. And then you get to the point where like, okay, nevertheless, not, not, nevertheless, at thy word, I'm going to keep doing, I'm going to keep going. Okay. Actually, it's getting a little easier. God says, okay, how are you feeling right now? Oh God, this is great. This is awesome. I mean, God, this is, I mean, God, you're right. This is great. God says, okay, great. Awesome. Great job. Wait a minute, God. I just got past that level. What are you doing? God, can we go back to, I mean, to this, this was, this is easy. Do you ever, you ever walked in from the car carrying all the grocery bags where you feel like your fingers are going to split from the weight and you put them down? It's like, oh, relief, right? That's what we kind of want with God. God, take it all. I need relief. You don't feel that way when you're carrying one bag, but when you got multiple bags, you feel that way. Can I be frank with you? The answer is not getting rid of all of your problems because that's never going to happen. The answer is activating your faith in the current situation you're in. And by activating your faith in the current situation you're in, you're actually going to increase your faith and make it stronger. But then again, you'll get to the point where that is manageable. You don't need God anymore because you can handle this. I got it, God. I don't need as much anymore. I can hold on to this. And God says, okay, now let's add a little more. You see, the higher up in God you go, it's actually, it's not less problems. It's more problems. I hate to break it to you. The higher up and you, the more, the more you grow in God, it doesn't mean life gets easier. In fact, the more you grow in God, probably life gets more challenging. If you don't believe me, go read Paul's pedigree. He was pretty high up on the rung and that, that guy had a mess of stuff in his life. Because the higher level of God requires greater faith, but faith not by the amount, but by activation. So if you're here today, if you're watching today and you've reached your limit, Maybe you can have a nevertheless moment. Say, God, I've reached my limit, but nevertheless, because of your word, I'm going to activate faith beyond my limit. How do I do that? I do that by, the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. You have to activate your faith where you're at. God, I believe. I believe. But I don't believe so that you can change my situation. I believe in spite of my situation changing, I still believe. You see, it's like saying, God, I believe you're, you're my healer. Well, okay, God, you didn't heal me, so I guess you're not a healer. No, it's, God, I believe you're my healer, but my faith in the fact that you're my healer is not going to change 
whether I'm healed or not. Because whether I'm healed or not won't determine my faith. I believe you're a healer because your word says you're a healer. But whether you heal me or not doesn't determine whether or not I believe. I believe because I choose to believe because your word says I believe. You see, you can't trick God. God, I believe. So hint, hint, give me my, give me my way. Uh-uh. God wants you to believe no matter ever the, whether you see it or not. God, I believe you're a healer, whether you heal me or not. God, I believe you're a deliverer, whether you, heal, whether you deliver me or not. God, I believe you can take me out of this prison, but if you don't take me out of this prison, I still believe you're a deliverer. I still believe. See, that's faith beyond your limits. My limits come from faith that I can see. His limits reach beyond faith that I can see and faith that goes beyond my understanding. I don't understand why I have to throw my nets down on this side. I just did that. But my faith says, if you said it, I'll believe it. Even if I don't catch fish, I'm still going to obey what you said. That's true. Nevertheless, faith that goes beyond your limits. So maybe we can call this today, nevertheless faith. No limits, nevertheless faith. Because maybe you've reached the capacity of your current level of faith and God said, okay, it's time to go to the next step. It's not that you've got to have more faith, but you've got to activate, fight the good fight of faith. God, even if I go broke, I believe that you're a provider. God, even if I'm sick every day the rest of my life, I believe you're a healer. God, even if I have to live with a broken heart, I believe you're a healer. Even I have to live in prison to my circumstance, I believe you're a deliverer. That's faith. Faith is not built so that you can manipulate God into doing what you want him to do. Faith is built on the fact no matter what God does, you still believe because he's God. Father, I thank you today. Lord, only you know the direction that I thought this was going to go in, but you have spoken, you have changed it, you have taken this in a whole different direction than I thought. And God, only I, you, only you and I know that. So I submit this word today to you. I submit everything that's been said and done today to your hands. That your word that has been spoken would find seed into the soil of our heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak, Father, by your word and by your name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for participating today. Don't forget, Life of Christ, we're starting it this week. So go to your life group, get engaged, get your book. Let's see something awesome this week in Life of Christ. I'll see you tonight, 7.30, right at home. Tuesday talks, 7.30 to 8 o'clock. Watch out for the devotional on Fridays and watch out for Life of Christ digging deeper with our supplementary material with myself and Brother Trombley. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful week. If you're a part of our life groups, let's go in our life groups and let's be challenged to go beyond. I think God's doing that everywhere. I think that's the theme of where we are right now. God's wanting every one of us to take another step forward in him. No matter where you are, take a step further in your relationship 
with Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for watching today. Hope to see you again next week, 10 a.m. right here on Antioch West Virtual. Love all of you and pray that God's hand would be upon you this week. In Jesus' name, God bless.